Hello there, Cross Connection friends. I hope you guys are all doing really well this morning. It is a lovely, beautiful day, a holiday, Labor Day. And uh, not exactly the Labor Day that we probably thought that we were going to be experiencing in 2020, but this is it. It's been pretty hot the last couple of days and hopefully it'll cool off a little bit. And uh, I hope that you have a little bit of coffee this morning. I have my coffee. Been thinking about potentially doing something new here. Uh, hopefully we can do this on a regular basis, do a little bit of coffee time in the morning. Uh, I like to start my day off with some really good coffee. And I think a lot of you do as well, but I also want to start my day off. I think it's really important to start our day off by looking into the scriptures. Getting into the Word of God is something that we have encouraged you to do as a church for many, many years, and we try to provide you with some tools to make that a little bit more likely that you'll do that. And one of those tools is something that I put together, I think I put it together back in 2015, the end of 2015. A number of you have been using it ever since then. It's called The Listening Plan, and you can actually find it at thelisteningplan.com. And there you can subscribe. You can subscribe to receive the listening plan in your email inbox every single morning or to get it through if you use a podcast app like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. You can go and, and get that there. And it's a really great tool. It's a tool that I think can be really helpful. What it does is it takes you through the New Testament of the Bible every single weekday morning throughout a year. And it just so happens uh, maybe by design, the Lord's design, that there are as many chapters in the New Testament as there are weekdays in a year. So plus or minus one, depending on the year. But you can listen to Matthew chapter one through Revelation chapter 22 by just taking at most maybe eight minutes a day listening to the scriptures. Or if you listen to it in a podcast app, you can increase the speed and you can listen to it faster. And um, you just listen to Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 2, all the way through the New Testament every weekday, maybe on your way to work, even if your work now is in your home office, you just walk there listening to it. And I'm convinced that the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it has power. God has given it power to be able to transform our lives. We'll talk a little bit more about that today, but... Our passage for the listening plan today is a passage that is one of my favorite in the Bible. I've talked about it a lot at the church. I go back to it frequently. In fact, my favorite book in the New Testament is this book, the book of Philippians, and we're in Philippians chapter 4. And I think it's really, really fitting as we are celebrating Labor Day today. And for a number of people, tomorrow would be the first day back at school, back at school, whatever that means right now. Um, and so at kind of a a new time of the year, it's a good good passage for resetting. So if you go to thelisteningplan.com, you will find that you scroll down a little bit, you'll see that today's date, September 7th, Monday, September 7th, has Philippians chapter 4. And if you're there, you can click on read this passage in the Bible. It'll take you to one of my favorite Bible study websites, blueletterbible.com. And I have the privilege of serving on the board at Blue Letter Bible, and these guys, they are spectacular. If you're ever looking for a tool to help you study the Bible, Blue Letter Bible is the place to go. And so you go to Philippians chapter 4 on Blue Letter Bible. I'm there right now. I've got my computer 
here in front of me. And I just want to look at a few truths from this passage this morning and just see how they, how they impact our lives. What, what's the point of this for us today? Try to make it a little bit practical. Paul says in the opening words there, Therefore, my beloved and long-for brethren, my joy and my crown, stand fast in the Lord. Beloved. Stand fast in the Lord. Those words, stand fast. They're one word in the original language, and it is a command. It is in the imperative in the original language, in the Greek. Paul is saying, make yourself firm. Persevere. Proceed. Don't, don't be deterred. And when I think about this word, I'm reminded of um, the Gospels. That day that Jesus was to partake of the Last Supper with his disciples. You remember he had a conversation with the Apostle Peter. And he's having a conversation with the whole of the disciples. And there is this statement that Jesus makes that you're all going to be made to be offended because of me today. And Peter steps up and he says, that ain't going to happen. And um, though all of these guys deny you, I will not deny you. I would even die for you. And Jesus says to Peter, listen, Peter, before the rooster crows, before morning, you're going to deny me three times. And that is really hard for Peter to believe. I'm sure it was hard for the other disciples to believe. That couldn't possibly happen, but it did. If you follow the story of the gospel, you know that after Jesus was arrested and he was taken to the house of the high priest Caiaphas, John and Peter followed along to where that was. And in the course of the text of the gospels, we see that three times Peter denies the Lord, just as the Lord had said. He's put on the spot. And people say, hey, aren't you with the Galilean? Aren't you with Jesus? And he says, I don't even know the man, three times. And then at the end, the, the rooster crows, and we see Peter run out and weep bitterly. And I, I'm sure that we can, in some respects, relate to that, that we have experienced similar situations where we, we thought we would stand for the Lord, but then we're put on the spot, whether it's in a classroom at school or it's in an office building and you're talking with some people, uh, you're out on a construction site, wherever it is, talking with a neighbor, talking with a family member, you know, that uncle or that aunt that's really antagonistic towards the things of faith, and you're put on the spot, and you don't stand up for your faith, your convictions in Christ. And I think we all can probably point back to multiple times, maybe there's one that really comes to mind. And um, Paul's given this exhortation here that we need to stand fast in those instances. But here's the thing. We, we all remember those times when we didn't. And I am so grateful for the mercy of Jesus because you remember when, when Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me before the rooster crows three times. And he says, and when you return, strengthen your brethren. This was also a spiritual battle because he said, Satan has desired you that he would sift you as wheat. But then when you return, strengthen your brethren. And after Jesus raised from the dead, and he appears to some of his first disciples who see him, he says, go tell my disciples and Peter. So Jesus is merciful. And I'm sure that Peter, for many years, the decades that followed that instant, he probably remembered that moment when he did not stand fast. And we might remember the moments when we don't stand fast, but God is still gracious. But we have this exhortation, stand fast in the Lord. We, we need to by God's grace and enabling power, determined to do that today and this week, asking God, give me your strength to be able to stand fast in you when circumstances and things come along that make that challenging. In the next couple of verses in Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, Paul is speaking to a couple of people in the church at Philippi. We think it's a couple of ladies. It seems from the passage that maybe these people were in a disagreement. He's trying to encourage them to 
to deal with that and fix it. But then we get to the passage that is a very important and powerful passage in Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 4 through 9, where Paul again exhorts, he commands really the church at Philippi to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. That is a command. Do not be anxious for anything. And every single one of us fail at that. And right now, many of us are being challenged in that regard. As we have a lot of things that are stress-inducing things going on in the world in 2020, whether it's COVID-19, whether it's the shutdowns, whether it's your job maybe has furloughed you or you've been unemployed for a few months or your small business that you run is having a very hard time making payroll or paying the bills and you don't have a lot of work on the horizon. I know a lot of people that are really busy with work, but there's a number of other people who are not. Or, you know, it's been summer. The kids have been off of school for summer, but now we're going back to school, but it's not really going back to school. My kids have been back to school for the last three weeks and it's school is in my dining room. And my wife and I, we did not plan to homeschool our kids. We had them in a great school, loved the school, uh, but we did distance learning the end of last year, and now we're back to distance learning. We actually switched them to a new school that does distance learning a little bit more effectively. But my wife and I, all of a sudden, we're homeschooling a sixth grader, a fifth grader, a third grader, and a second grader. And my wife has a full-time job today. She's working in the critical care unit, the COVID unit, critical care unit at her hospital. So she's there right in the thick of it, and she's in school to finish her master's as a family nurse practitioner. So she's got all of that on her plate. And, and I've got things that I'm doing with the church and with other organizations and trying to finish up graduate school myself. Got four classes, so there's a lot of things. I'm not saying any of this stuff to try and get your sympathy. I'm just saying all this stuff to say that I can relate if you feel anxious and stressed about all the things that you are going through. But we have this command, do not be anxious for anything. And um, so important for us to fulfill that command by God's grace, but how will we fill that fulfill that command? We have to understand what the text says. Be anxious for nothing. And then he gives us the algorithm, if you will, the equation for not being overburdened by anxiety, not succumbing to the temptation to be a worrier. And that is, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Again, that's a command. Let your request be made known to God. And when we read, in everything, by prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, making your request to the Lord, each of those is just prayer, prayer, prayer. How do we fulfill the command to not be anxious? By prayer. By bringing our requests to the Lord. And when we do, the promise is, in verse 7, that the peace of God, which surpasses understanding. I don't know where it comes from, but he gives me his peace will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. And when I read heart and mind, and there's a lot of discussion and debate about this among, you know, Bible teachers, what is heart, what is mind, and where are these things in the person, the individual? I think we're talking about our feels, our heart, our emotions, and we're talking about our mind, our, our thoughts, our cognitions, our intellect. And so the whole of our psyche, the internal part of us, will be guarded by a peace from God that surpasses understanding. How does that happen? Well, again, we've talked about this so many times, but it's so important. Finally, brethren, verse 8, whatever things are true, those things that are noble, those things that are just and pure, those things that are lovely and of good report, if there's anything virtuous or praiseworthy, think on these things, meditate 
on these things. Fix your focus, your mind on those things. Not on all the things that you're being caused to be anxious by. I've talked about this so many times before, but it's such a good illustration of the purpose. Some people wonder what meditation is according to the scriptures. There's a lot of talk about mindfulness, thoughtfulness, meditation in our society. There's apps for that and all kinds of different things. There's guided meditations. There's transcendental meditation. There's all kinds of different meditation. What's biblical meditation? Well, it's not emptying your mind, but it is setting your mind in the right place. Because if you know how to worry, as I've said before, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Because all worry is, that thing that causes your anxiety and your stress to increase, what worry is, is meditation. It's meditating upon all the things that are weighing you down right now, to the point that you know them from every angle and every facet. You've zoomed in on them. You've come out from them. You've looked at it with a telescope and a microscope. You have meditated upon your problems. You know them incredibly well. So instead of doing that, he says, meditate. Worry about these other things, those things that are true and noble and just and pure and lovely and of good report and virtuous and praiseworthy. Set your mind on those things. Now, if you follow along with the listening plan this week, tomorrow, Tuesday, moves out of Philippians and into the next book, which is Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, Wednesday chapter 2, Thursday chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul says, set your mind on things above. Seek those things which are above. Same exact thought process here. Set your mind on those things that are above. Now, um, when you get into the study of therapy and psychology, there are different facet or different uh, modalities, we could say, of the idea of therapy. And one of them is what's called EFT, uh, emotionally focused therapy, and that focuses on the feels, on the emotions. How are you feeling? You know, what are those? Let's let's think about those feelings, and. Um, I could be accused of maybe being dispassionate sometimes, not, not incredibly emotional. Um, so emotional fo focus therapy, I think it's got a lot of strengths, um, but I'm not as interested in that as I am in another kind of therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. And maybe you've heard of this before, but the idea around CBT is that we focus on your beliefs and thoughts, your automatic thoughts, the things going through your mind and we reorient or we work on those thoughts, those beliefs, and those will affect your emotions and your behaviors. There's discussion among people. What comes first? Do we, do we have an emotion first and then we think about it? Do we act first and then we think about it? Or are we thinking about something and that affects our emotions and our behaviors? And that's, that's generally where I, I tend to kind of lean towards. So this area of cognitive behavioral therapy, it's not just some weird worldly psychological thing. I think you can see some things in scripture like this. Meditate on these things. Set your mind on things above. In another place in scripture, Paul, in Romans chapter 12, uh, there he says that we want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's thought process. That's cognition. Transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we may display or show in our lives, our behaviors, our actions, our emotions, what is that good and perfect will of God so that we may walk in line with God's will? But it starts in this area of our thinking. And this is why the word of God is so important because the word of God is able to transform our thinking and, and reorient the way that we are processing things. It gives us a new filter to see things through so that we can fulfill this passage. Be anxious for nothing. How? 
by reorienting your thinking, setting it on those right things. And Paul apparently did this, so he encourages the church at Philippi in verse 9 of Philippians chapter 4 to follow his example. And what is his example? Well, he goes on to say later on in this passage that he had learned in whatever state he was in, whatever circumstance he was in, to be content. And when he said this, he was not in the best circumstances. He was in prison. And he was facing trial for things he had not done that were not wrong. And he ultimately faced execution for these things. All of those things could be incredibly stress-producing, anxiety-producing. And yet he said, I've learned in whatever state I am in, whether I'm shipwrecked or being beaten or in jail or on trial, the highs and the lows, I've learned to be content and I can do all things by him who gives me strength. I can do all things, be content in difficult circumstances by him who gives me strength. How? Meditate on these things. Set your mind on things above. So that's my encouragement for you today. Set your mind on things above and fix your heart and your mind on Christ Jesus as you are looking through the scriptures. I would greatly encourage you to be considering those things today. And I hope to see you again soon here on uh, Coffee Time. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next time.